Welcome to the Impressive Digital Marketer Podcast. If you're a brand manager or a marketer, entrepreneur, or you're just interested in everything digital, listen up, because this podcast is for you. We're Impressive, a digital marketing agency in Melbourne. We've put together this podcast to cover some of the most current topics in digital marketing. Every two weeks, we'll be talking about subjects related to SEO, PPC, and Facebook advertising. Some of the industry's experts will be jumping in on the mic for each show with a different set of hosts every fortnight. This podcast is run by you, the listener. So reach out and tell us what you want us to talk about. All right, should we dive into the world of digital marketing? Welcome to The Impressive Digital Marketer, episode 15. My name is Russ McCumber. I'm a digital strategist here at Impressive Digital. With me, my esteemed colleague, I have Christopher Zarafa, our head of SEO. Good day. Good to have you here, Chris. You look very, very comfortable in front of that mic there. Chris has got a very <laughs> extensive radio background over the last few years. How long have you been doing radio, Chris? Oh, just over 20 years. 20 years. Started when I was about 18. Excellent. And I didn't even have a car. I had to have my friends drive me to the studio. <laughs> really? Yes. But uh, still involved and I'm um, still loving it and still love the benefits and the uh, people that we meet along the way. Fantastic. Cool. Um, now, for today's episode, we've got a very special guest who's joined us all the way from Tel Aviv in Israel. He's from the SimilarWeb headquarters over there. His name's Ron. He's going to be talking to us about SimilarWeb. So it's one of the world's leading web analytics uh, websites and you know a bit about his role and, and just where the trends are heading for analytics in 2019 and beyond. His role at SimilarWeb, he's actually the VP of marketing and demand generation there. So Ron, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Russ. It's, 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 great, to be, it's great to be here. I've just obviously just given a tiny little spiel on what it is that you guys do there, but uh, would you be able to just perhaps tell us a bit about yourself first and, and how you came to work at SimilarWeb? Sure, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. So, um, so I've been in, 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 in digital, digital and performance marketing for, for probably all of my, my adult career. After university, I, I opened a, a small startup agency, which, which originally I had in mind would be a, a technology company that would automate a lot of the, uh, if you will, the, the paid uh, search process. So I wanted to be kind of a young entrepreneur, and and really that was the time that 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 Google was really becoming uh, uh, the prominent search engines. And I got into I got into paid uh, search advertising on on Overture and uh, and Google and AdWords. And uh, I thought early on that it would be interesting to automate a lot of the process of the cre- of the campaign creation, uh, kind of uh, keyword generation and. I had in mind an idea to build a platform that would do that today. Today, there's there's a number of platforms that do that quite well. And so I, I, I set up this company with, uh, with a friend of mine, and he had a technology background. And I came uh, I came also uh, before that I was doing a lot of software development. So so we had this idea, and and we started building it out. And we we got a, we got we we didn't we didn't quite succeed in building something that works. This was like pre-era where you had APIs for uh, for really doing those types of things. So we didn't we didn't manage to build a, a product that really that really worked too well, um, but we did manage to 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 bring on board quite a few uh, clients that really wanted to get into search, 
And so the company, the company quickly became a pivoted, if you will, to to being a a search marketing agency, and uh, mostly mostly around performance, mostly around performance marketing. Uh, so lead generation, a little bit of e-commerce. This was prior to when e-commerce was was that prevalent or, or on the web. And um, I did that for about I did that for about seven years. It grew to 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 a nice size, uh, about thirty people. And um, after about eight years, I I wanted to get back in technology. I I, wa- I had a, I had a lot of ideas around uh, real time bidding on the display display networks. And so I sold the company. I sold the agency to to a holding company, and I, I founded a new company with uh, with two other co-founders and built a platform that that resembles today a lot of what you see in terms of uh, dynamic retargeting. So we we scraped uh, we scraped all these e-commerce sites and. Um, there would be a pixel on the site, kind of tags you with the products you're looking at, and then retargets you with a dynamic creative uh, based on the products you looked at, which is, again, pre- prevalent today and, and, and things that a lot of companies do, uh, especially on the travel and e-commerce space. And uh, we built this platform that allowed all these ad networks to do, to do the same. So, so we worked with we worked with we worked on a performance basis, and and I think that's where I really got into performance marketing from a, from display perspective versus a search perspective, which was more my background. I, I did that for again for for like another another six or seven years. We even though we, we managed to to get some traction there, we we worked with very, very large well known uh, e commerce sites in uh, in the U S. and Europe. You know, didn't match succeed to 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 make it what we really wanted to, what we really envisioned, and there was also a lot of competition in that area. So we decided to close the company. I tried to sell a lot of the the technology that we had built to to different uh, ad tech companies and different companies in the in the web marketing space, and that's how I came to to know the CEO of uh, of SimilarWeb. We had some common investors, and I had met a few times in in the past. Um, so we didn't find any synergy there in terms of an acquisition, but he he was quite impressed with my with my team, and and he basically he told me, listen, if it doesn't work out, then you guys can come here on board. There's there's a lot of interesting stuff to do, and so I literally about two years ago closed the door on my company and came to work the next day at SimilarWeb. My position that, that I took here, uh, which I thought would be quite interesting, is data collection. Yep. So I I started off as the director of we call uh, data collection. And SimilarWeb collects a huge amount of, of both panel data, uh, which is data on how uh, users uh, surf the web. Data is probably one of the largest passive panels in the world, apart from like companies like Google and, and, and Facebook. Yep. I did that for, for, for the first year. And after that, a uh, position opened within the company to lead the marketing and demand generation teams. I handle here a bunch of teams uh, that are responsible for what we call the top of the funnel. So, so lead generation, online marketing, offline marketing. So, Rod, which which out of out of all these different channels that um, you've been generating, I guess all this traffic and interest, which do you think is has been the most uh, profitable for you over the span of your stay at SimilarWeb? You know, first of all, uniquely uniquely to SimilarWeb is that it's it's quite well known as a company that can give you data on what your competitors are doing. Essentially, what SimilarWeb is is a market intelligence platform. So, or, or if you will, a, a better way to, to look at it is the competitive intelligence platform. Yep. Uh, a simple, a simple analogy would be, it's like, it's like having access to 
your competitors' analytics, right? You have access to your own analytics, and you know the traffic that you're getting to your site. But SimLab gives you, lets you peer into how your competitors and other industry leaders, how they're getting traffic, right? What's the distribution between the different channels, like search, social, uh, even things like email or affiliate marketing? And and I think that's the, the the power of what we do that makes it really appealing. Because large brands, retailers, uh, financial institutions, advertisers can really understand where they are in their own in their own market, and they can compare themselves to leaders or direct competitors, or even just uh, worry about their own market share and how they can they can increase it. And the strategy that works best for us is that we allow the public, if you will, the broader uh, general uh, marketeers, to have a look at some of that data for free. So we've we've uh, our strategy was to build uh, a couple of free products. We have an extension. Um, we have uh, on our website a, a a search bar that you can use to to search any website or, or application and see how that's generating traffic. And then we have a a if you will a demo or trial product uh, which you can download uh, or sign up for and and gives you kind of a a little bit more uh, data and. Uh, what are the differences there between, say, the the premium product and the the free one? Other than, I guess, more data. What what else can can people get from? So the free all the free products show more or less the same uh, the same data. Really, the difference between, for example, the the free product and the and the premium product is just the breadth of data that's that's available to you. So, for example, you know, if you want to see. Uh, uh, if you want to see the keywords that you're that are driving traffic to your to your competitor's website, we only show you a small subset of of those keywords in the free product and in the paid product. You can can see the entire spectrum of what their uh, keyword strategy is. How how much do you sort of charge for? I guess the the different tiers of of access. It's really based on you know the types of data that's going to be uh, important for you. Some, if you will, the 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 performance teams that we work with, the more tactical teams like SEO managers. And PPC managers, for them, what they're what they're looking for, for example, is data that's pretty recent. So they'll look at, for example, what keywords their competitors are bidding on today. Where there's where there's other other marketeers or analysts that are more interested in, for example, benchmarking, and they want to look at, like, say, for example, year-over-year data. So they want to see the trends of of who's gaining and who's uh, losing market share and that difference in data so for example like a three-month data package versus a a 12 or 24 month data package would be the pricing levers that that we have in order to to price the product so it really depends on on what your use case is i just got a more of a broad question about just organic search seo based on you know all of the insights and the the analytics that you guys have looked at over 2018, what do you see as the big trends that businesses need to look out for in 2019, specifically to SEO? That's a great question. I think search is is evolving in two key areas. One is obviously the greater or continuing uh, continuing increase in, in mobile market share. So a lot more people are searching from their mobile phones. And Google knows this and... Obviously, obviously, it needs to adjust itself accordingly and just results accordingly. And some of the ways that we see that that's happening is, for example, in terms of like uh, behavior of a mo- of a user who searches through mobile, the click through ratio is uh, much lower, right? So if you think about it, when you're when you're on your desktop device 
um, and you're doing research, you get the you get your results, and you start clicking on 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 one or or two or a couple of results. You go to those websites, you do your homework, you do your research. On mobile, you tend to want the results to already appear within the search results. So if you're looking for the name of a restaurant or you're looking for a number of a business, Google now shows you more of those rich or featured snippets already in in the results themselves, right? So the click-through rate is going to be much much lower, and 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 subsequently, Google is becoming more of a more, if you will, like a publisher, right? It needs to extract a lot of the information. Uh, from different websites like IMDb and 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 Wikipedia, and place that information already within the results. Uh, mm-hmm. Travel is another area you see it well. You know, Google has its travel uh, search engine, and it will show you movie movie times or or movie price pricing for tickets. So 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 Google is extracting all this data from uh, from websites. And placing that data already within the results, and that's a sh- and that's a shift that we're seeing more and more, yep. uh, especially in 2018. Basically, making Google a publisher within itself. So it's coming down to having more of a focus on, say, rich snippets and maybe tracking phone numbers that are placed within meta descriptions instead of saying tracking stuff that might actually be on your site. So what's actually appearing in the SERPs is something that uh, will will contribute to business. It's just it just means your click through rate might be a bit lower. Right, and 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 that's that's really the, the the evolution. I mean, if you think about what search was a decade ago, even five years ago, it was it was supposed to bring you to the the, the best possible results based on your search, right? So so essentially, it's a way to to categorize and uh, and rank websites. Yep. You know, at, at, at its basis from a high level but today it's it's more it's more evolved into actually bringing you from, from the quickest point you make the search until you get that value until you get what you're looking for yep. so so conceptually conceptually it's not just about anymore uh, ranking or indexing uh, uh, websites it's ranking and indexing information and feeding you that information as as quickly as possible and there's other factors that we can we can assume that also come into play, which I think a lot of people don't speak about, but from my perspective is quite interesting, is that you know the the the, the different revenue models and the different monetization models, especially in the publishing world, are, are are shifting. So ads themselves are becoming less less of a channel to scale a, a publishing business, and. Uh, a lot of publishers are moving more, for example, to subscription or paywall-based models. And so, what happens and how that affects search is that if you, if you, let's just say you're, gonna, you're searching for a topic, and then you get from from search to a publisher, and then hit a paywall, Google's not doing you any justice there, right? You're not. It's just bringing you from the from your search to a a web page that's that's hidden behind a paywall. And I think that what people don't speak about, and the things that I think are are quite interesting, is how Google will adjust itself and and try to take that those results or that content actually place it in the search results, so so you can extract that value quickly. That put that ties in pretty well with the way we talk about SEO to our clients. Like we always try to bring the focus away from from uh, rankings and more towards revenue, especially because we, we we deal with so many e-commerce businesses specifically here just trying to get people to shift that mindset from kind of meaningless potential rankings and moving more towards okay well Mm -hmm. what sort of numbers are you driving in terms of sales through your site and and how is seo sem whatever whatever channel contributing to that so on that a question for you on attribution it was a pretty big topic especially at the start of 2018 attribution modeling 
How do you see that evolving in 2019? Do you think it'll be any clearer? So I think, you know, attribution modeling is not anything new. I think that, if you will, the, the problem with attribution modeling is that it looks a little bit different based on, on the type of business you have, right? So, so if you measure multiple touch points and your, the buyer or the customer journey is, is different uh, based, on, uh, based on the industry, for example, in, in, in travel, if you think about it, you don't do a search for, let's just say, flights to, to Sydney, go to go to an online uh, uh, travel search uh, engine click on a click on an option and then purchase a ticket right Mo- mostly people don't don't work, don't work that way they're not they're not as spontaneous right you you want to do your homework you do a lot of searches you perhaps uh, consult with with your spouse and and the user journey looks quite different than for example e-commerce where you may spontaneously see a product and then uh, and then click it and then you can have a more direct attribution model, right? This search or this website brought you the user. He ended up purchasing. It's, it's quite it's quite easy. In, in others, like I mentioned in travel, it looks a little bit different. And then you need more sophisticated attribution models. You know, perhaps you have retargeting in your mix. And, and then the retargeting ad brought you back to, to the booking page. And you want to have a, a, an attribution model that weighs in the different touch points. So I think it's really, really based on what your industry is and what you're selling. And, and that's why you don't have a one size fits model, one model fits all uh, when it comes to, to attribution. That's, that's a lot of great info there. Thanks, Rod. Um, from my perspective this year, a lot of uh, what I've been focusing on is, is building trust, especially with um, the medic update that happened not too long ago. From your side of things, I guess, what, what do you guys do to maintain uh, user retention from people using your site and what are, I guess, ways that you're going to maintain those trust levels in 2019 with your clients and people that use the site? In terms of our, our, our own, if you will, tactics in that regard, not really much has changed. We've always maintained uh, that we want to offer value to the users and visitors who come to our website get a lot of value for free, right? They, 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 they can peer from a, from a high level into how their competitors or other websites are, are getting traffic or, or, or if it's an app, how they're, they're downloading uh, uh, from where all the downloads are coming from. So, so we're giving a lot of value. And when you do that, I think people naturally uh, associate your website as, as an authority site, right? Because not a lot of websites give you that kind of value for free. And so we've become a go-to site in, in all the, like the, the software forums and the marketing forums. Uh, we, generally, you know, we generally have uh, quite a few uh, links and mentions that bring uh, organically users to, to SimilarUp's website. Plus, we have a, a content strategy that also uh, offers a lot of free insights into uh, specific industries and the strategies that a large brands are using in order to increase their, their online market share. And so giving the value and becoming a brand by giving value to users has led us to rank well because I think that those types of, uh, those types of parameters garner trust within, within search and, and, and the users as well. And so we don't need to adjust ourselves uh, too much every time there's there's an algorithmic or, or ranking update. We, we're, we're generally always very stable. Great. Cool. Ron, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much. We could talk, we could keep on going for hours, but uh, we really appreciate it. There was some really cool intel there on, on your own journey, on what you're doing there at SimilarWeb. We will have a link, a follow link to, to SimilarWeb 
will it be fun and Chris? You tell me. Uh, no, I need some payola. <laughs> okay, there'll be a link there to SimilarWeb in the liner notes for the show. But um, we really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for, for joining us. Thank you. It's been, it's been very fun. And now, listeners, if you've enjoyed this interview, uh, please jump on, write us a review. So whether it's on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Facebook, Google, just write good stuff about us, uh, five stars. Um, if you've got any questions, shoot them in. Um, some of today's questions actually came from our audience, which is fantastic. So if you are keen to get involved, please do shoot through some questions. Otherwise, that's episode 15. That's a wrap. Thanks so much, Ron. Thank you, Chris. Pleasure. Thank you.